Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at The Batman. Directed by Matt Reeves, The Batman is the superhero film based on the DC Comics character of the same name. The movie is out now, but if you haven't seen The Batman yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our review. We will be talking spoilers. The film is a reboot of the Batman film franchise. The screenplay was written by Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Jason, you have the plot. In Batman's second year of crime fighting, he ventures into Gotham City's underworld when a sadistic killer leaves behind a trail of cryptic clues. As the evidence begins to lead closer to home and the scale of the perpetrator's plans become clear, he must forge new relationships, unmask the culprit, and bring justice to the abuse of power and corruption that has long plagued the city. It is finally here. The Batman. This is a film that the two of us have talked about wanting to watch for the longest time. It was originally due out last year. I don't know how many, but numerous delays. But it's finally here. The first big movie of the year. I know Uncharted is still (laughs) out, but this is it, isn't it? This is the first event movie of the year. I think this was, was this not both of our most anticipated Movie, this was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, both of us had this at number one. And this is a year that not only we get to see one Batman on the big screen, we're also getting Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton in the Flash movie. It's a good year for Batman, I guess. Or is it? Is it too much Batman? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what I mean, happens when the this comes This is out. very much yes, exactly right. This is very much doing its own thing, and obviously we're going to get into it. Whereas what we're going to see in that Flash movie is the return of Batman that we've seen before. So I don't know how. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've got a decent enough idea of what those things are going to be, but it's very much going to fit within what we've already seen. Whereas this Batman is a whole, whole other thing. So I think it's okay to have more than one, isn't it? We can have a few Batman running around. Well, I think this would be, this would be the test. Um, I mean, previously people have always said, you know, oh, you can't have multiple franchises, multiple versions of the same character on the big screen. But, I mean, they're they're going for it. Um, And I guess the test really does start with this film. Not only are we sort of moving away from the DCEU and and having this movie do its own thing, like this is essentially also gearing up to start a new franchise in itself, in in its own right, um, whilst the DCEU is still running concurrently. Like, and, you know, we'll see what happens with all of that, you know, a flash film could cause drastic changes. But this is essentially, yeah, a reboot of Batman. Once again, it's full on. What we're getting here is a very dark and gritty take on, on the character. We've had it before with the Christopher Nolan films, but what we're getting here, they're definitely pushing it further. I mean, we'd seen Bale in Batman Begins fly with the cape or glide. But what we're getting here is, I guess, a more realistic take on that. 
when we get to see the wingsuit. And I didn't even know that, that was going to be in the movie, although afterwards I did see that you can get like a pop vinyl. So they had shown that was going to happen in the movie. But just when he stood on the ledge and he jumps, but, you know, he's got the look of a little look of concern. Like, is this going to work? And it ultimately doesn't work exactly how he would have wanted to because he pulls the shoot, he <laughs> falls. But I'm really enjoying the different takes that we're getting on the character in general, whether it's the one we talked about before with, you know, Ben Affleck coming back, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, which doesn't seem too long ago, really. What I hoped when we got the Joker movie is that we were going to get live action films outside of the DCEU. And that was, what, 2020 now, I think, at this point. It was a good few years ago. And Joker was so good. And I was hoping we'd get some more standalone movies, although we're going to be getting like TV tie-ins with a GCPD show, the Penguin show. But I like that they're looking at going to directors like Matt Reeves and having them tell their stories and put their spin on the characters, just like we've got with Joker from Todd Phillips. Yeah, no, look, I, I agree. It's, it's a good way to sort of, you know, the cinematic universe, the cinematic universe, that shared universe, it's all, it's all good and fun. Um, but just like they were doing, you know, what the what DC's been doing with like their animated movies, you know, you had a shared continuity, and every now and then they'd throw in like an experimental movie or like a just a one off, a one shot, um, and that kind of that kind of worked. And I guess we used to get that with Marvel. We used to have, you know, because we'd have like the Fox films, or you know, for the most part, Sony films also. But now it's all pretty much one. I guess we still have some Sony films, but yeah, no, I guess it's all it's all one thing now. So uh, with Warner Brothers doing it, yes, that it with, is with still, the DC films, it's, yeah. yeah, we get these individual things and we can, even though, you know, like I said, this isn't going to be a one-off. This is going to be almost like, hey, we've just got a, a separate franchise here now, which, which is cool. But with Batman and these Batman films, you know, we've had, like you said, so many different interpretations of Batman on the, you know, in live action, in these films, it's 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 actually baffling me that I can sit here and have watched this film and say, you know, what I saw in this film was unlike anything I'd seen in live action Batman. Like the closest comparisons are those Nolan films because of that dark and gritty sort of take. But I feel like they've taken the dark and they've knocked it up a bit. They've uh, they've taken the gritty and they've knocked it up a bit. The realism in this, I mean, I feel like the only thing that had me sort of sitting there being like, I don't know if I can buy that, was like Batman's lens, like uh, his his like contact lens cameras. I was like, is that a technology that exists? And if it does, holy you know shit, we're in the future. Is it? I I don't know, but <laughs> I love that, and I've not I've not seen that. I mean, I I've read. You know, so many Batman comics like since I was a kid. And I get all saying that. I guess he has had um like cameras in his cowl. But yeah, with sure. the lenses specifically, you know, you'd see it and then you'd have like the you'd no longer see his eyes, they'd be fully white. 
He's yes, yeah, so they've done it in in that way, but not like they're doing in the movie. Like he's filming everything and he's and he's almost like torturing himself as well. Like he's he's out there, he's living it. Like if when we first see the lens of this movie, like he saves the guy on the train. And then what he's doing, he's watching the whole night back. He needs to remember everything. He's keeping his journals. I was just really interesting at introducing that technology and then just, I mean, this is a very tortured Batman. I don't want to keep bringing up the Nolan films, but as you say, it is the 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 easiest comparison. Mm. Yeah, saying that though, Gotham, the easiest comparison is Tim Burton. This Gotham doesn't just look like Chicago, which is what we pretty much got for... (laughs) the Nolan films for the most part, like this did feel like, like its own thing. I really did like that, but there's so much here that you can compare with Nolan, but that Bruce Wayne was very different. Like, but then you can't really compare it because that Bruce Wayne seemed a lot older also. And this is year two of him being Batman. And I love that as an approach we're not getting the origin again as we've had it. I mean, we didn't see Martha's Pearls. Cannot believe it. Honestly, I <laughs> thought we would. We did we not. Don't yeah, see, we did not see. We don't see. Crime see the pearls. <laughs> well, that's it. We hear all about it and we see Thomas Wayne. We hear about Martha Wayne, but in different ways. It's, it's, but yes, it, yeah. it's, it, is, it is different enough, isn't it? But it, it's, it's just working. And... I mean, I was, I knew going into this, like everybody was saying this, that inspiration for this movie was films like Zodiac yeah. 7. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that going in and then you're watching it and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if David Fincher is sitting somewhere and he's like, why didn't they just ask me? I mean, Matt Reeves has done a great job, don't get me wrong. I mean, he has made a beautiful film. We're saying it's dark and gritty, and it really is. But it is such a polished film, like the cinematography, like everything in this film is great to look at. But if you're David Fincher, you're like, yeah, this is the kind of Batman movie I'd make. (laughs) Like, bang on. And that's it. Like, tonally, what this movie is going for is this, is this, crime thriller noir type um you know the gothic elements are there but not to the level of those burton films but there's still that sort of gothic nature to gotham city who'd have thought it's it's crazy um and just like using that you know again like a batman that we haven't seen in live action is this not only is it a tortured very clearly the most damaged Bruce Wayne we've seen, but also like a Batman who like this film knows that Batman is the character, not Bruce Wayne. Like Batman is the true identity of Bruce Wayne. And, and Bruce Wayne is the, the master disguise, except because we're in such of we're, we're in such early days of, of this interpretation of this character that, we haven't got to the point where, you know, like, you know, Batman has worked out that he needs to still keep up that that um, illusion of of Bruce Wayne as you know, like that 
billionaire playboy, the Prince of Gotham type thing. So he's a recluse. Yeah, he's still yeah. That di- and it's like, yes, we had, we had finally, you know, movies have hinted at that being the philosophy of their character, but I feel like this is the first time we're really seeing that. And on top of that, we're getting finally, thank God, the detective. You know, we've seen hints of it previously, but Batman is a detective in this film from the first time you see him to the end of the movie like it's not just hey here's one scene where he's being a detective and being a sleuth or oh hey here's one scene with him and alfred you know like trying to work things out he is doing it constantly throughout this movie he is an intelligent guy cracking clues solving mysteries like he's scooby doing it like no tomorrow like it i was like yes yeah Yeah, it's it's what we've wanted i mean you're right like we've seen in films where he has shown intelligence, but he's had help, whether it's Lucius and even though Alfred does help him in this movie, it's all the people assisting him, whereas Batman can be Batman by himself. Like He, he is enough. He doesn't need anybody else, but then- he, does, he does let Alfred in and Alfred generally does assist him. And there's some great moments in this movie. I know we'll get to it between them, but just having him be that recluse and like he's putting everything into being Batman. I mean, Keaton in Tim Burton's film, he was a recluse. That's why at his own party, people didn't know he was Bruce Wayne. I've always <laughs> liked that. And we're getting that again here, but the opening of the movie, I mean, Matt Reeves has cited a few comics as inspiration for this film, Batman ego, Batman The Long Halloween, I mean, that's one of the more obvious ones because there's, like, story points lifted <laughs> yeah. directly from that comic. And we recently reviewed the two-part movies that they that they put out. And it's one of those things where you look at story credit and it's none of those guys, and you're like, really? Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, there's, there's, like, two story credits on this film, and I'm like, and none of those are Jeff Loeb. But, you know... <laughs> Anyway, that's a that's a whole other thing. But another inspiration is Batman Year One, right? and I'm not sure. Have you seen the animated movie that they did a few years ago? Yeah, but it's it's been a few years though. I wouldn't say. Well, the opening, the opening, it's to, it's a young Batman, and Ben McKenzie voicing Batman, and he's doing the narration just like he did in the comic, and that's where my mind went straight away. I yeah. didn't expect it, but I guess it should have been obvious. But the opening of this movie, having Robert Patterson do the narration, I thought was fantastic. You're inside his head. A great was, creative choice. Oh, it was it was so good. And just I mean, really, he becomes Batman, the Batman we know or are more familiar with, the third act, end of the film, pretty much. Yeah, but in this opening, like he's telling you exactly who Batman is, and it's not who Batman ends up being, but it's all about vengeance. And it, and the whole idea of dressing as a bat in the first place, bats scared Bruce when he was a kid, and he wants to use that fear on others because criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. That's always been there in Batman lore. But he's all about vengeance, scaring them. He wants them to be fearful. He wants them to think he's in that shadow. And it's all about fear. And, yeah, the, it, it takes a character in a different direction. But just to start, 
it's just so dark and gritty. The film is is violent. Batman's violent. Riddler is violent. Like honestly, when he when he the first kill by Riddler in this film, it didn't quite make me jump, but I felt shock when he just like, bludgeoned oh. the guy in the back of the head. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, this is this is so this is so much darker than what we got from like say Heath Ledger's Joker. I mean, I know he made a pencil disappear, but there's just something about the way we see the violence from Riddler in this film. It's just raw, it's animalistic. It's aggressive. It's aggressive. The, yeah, it, and the yelling as well. It's just like this is clearly an unhinged guy. And it just straight away, like, right, okay, this is a different kind of Batman film. We knew going in it would be, but the introduction, the narration, first seeing Riddler, it's just very much its own thing from the get-go. Yeah, it, it definitely embodies like there's a there's almost like a dark psychology behind this film, like you know, thematically that just like obviously I want to say shines through, but not shines because that in that's indicative of brightness. But like you know, with, with the darkness, like I I prior to going into this movie, you know, like just out of curiosity, I was like, I'm gonna check the rating here in Australia. It's it's an M rated film, you know, recommended for 15 plus, which essentially is the, the equivalent of like a PG 13. This opening scene with with Riddler and that brutal murder, I'm like. Granted, you don't actually see the impact. You don't see any blood splatter. And I guess that's why it's only an M rating. But I was like, holy shit, if this is the tone of this film and is if, if this is what the movie is making me feel, do not take your 10-year-old kids to watch no. this movie. Like, it, it is not the Batman they are looking for. Um, so I'm surprised. You know what? I'm surprised they, they didn't go for a higher rating. Just Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised it's on MA. Absolutely surprised it's not purely because of the tone, there. the tone linked to the yeah. violence. So, you and know, do you know what? Hmm. I I don't think younger kids would be as interested in oh, this no. movie as we no, are. They'd be bored out of their because, brains. <laughs> yes, I mean it. It is a three-hour movie. Lots of talking. Lots of gathering clothes. I mean, you do get those those moments, but I mean. You're not going to call this an action film. I mean, it's a film with action in it, but the, I mean, it's mainly a drama. When there is action, don't get me wrong, it is really great action, but this is not Ben Affleck Batman. This is very different. So, yeah, I'm surprised at the M rating. Mm. But, yeah, the runtime, three hours, right? And do you know what? I did not feel it. I did not feel I was sat there for that long and... When the movie ended, I could have just watched more. I would have liked, I could have just watched more. <laughs> and I've heard some criticisms that maybe it'd have been better if they'd have shaved off 20, 30 minutes. And my question would be, okay, where? Where would you I, do that? I had the same thoughts. I was like, I mean, I I did feel by the end of it, I was like, maybe it could have been a bit shorter. But then I had the same thought. I was like, like if you were to take 15 minutes off where like and exactly. i couldn't really work it out i was like well do you just like do you drop stuff about like the da do you drop stuff about you know the crap like but it's all all of that relevant all, of, all, it of all that stuff builds in terms of like 
you know, the themes regarding, you know, like the city, Gotham City, the corruption, the, you know, like the people commentary, the society commentary, that's what this film's got. And if you start removing those elements, suddenly it's like, okay, do we, do we take away some Riddler moments? Do we take away some of the stuff with, you know, with Selena Kyle? Like, what do you do? Do you just remove yeah, Penguin I, completely? Like, I don't know. Oh, we'll get no. to him. Like, actually, on that, despite being long, it is three hours. I mean, you can't deny it is long, but despite being that length, and being packed with lots of characters and essentially probably being the most in terms of definitive like batman lived in gotham city the characters are already around they're not just going to pop up in a sequel here and there it's like they already have a history yeah this is this movie does it and i guess yeah it does take three hours to to get there but it really doesn't feel that long i mean it no i walk out and i'm like yeah it was a long movie 100%. But like, it wasn't like, man, this is a drag. So that's a win, I think. Again, if I was a 10 year old boy, no, I'd, I'd be like, holy shit, yes. this is, this is, this is boring. Like, this is not bad. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe the interested enough in Batman still, well, it's his movie, it's a Batman movie. But what I was going to say before, like, people have, criticizing saying hey you know it's a three-hour batman movie how are they going to feel about potentially a six-part 60-minute penguin series with no batman yeah well look you know what i mean like some you know yeah. some people do complain about long films yet they're more than happy to binge a tv series in a night i mean look maybe it'll be better on uh when it gets to streaming and uh, <laughs> maybe People will, will feel different about the, the the length because they can pause it, go to the toilet. Um, like I mean, hey, I've got that, to be honest. I, 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 I purpose I purposely didn't get a drink. If I'm honest, knowing it was going to be a three-hour movie, I had a I did jumbo not get a drink. coke and I drank. Oh it, wow! And I wasn't even <laughs> in pain at the end of the movie. I needed to go to the toilet, but I wasn't like hell busting. And that's a little insight of I, how my work um, went. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you. I don't want to risk it. Anyway, back to back to the movie. Let, let's talk about Robert Pattinson, just like Michael Keaton, all those years ago. Well, not quite like it. I don't think there was a petition, but people were like, what? The Twilight guy. And completely just missed the fact that he's done many films. Oh, so Twilight. many. And <laughs> like he's done so many. I, I mean, I'm so not gonna, many films. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I've watched them all, but the ones that I have seen, pretty much like he is a phenomenal actor. And I mean there's yeah, there's no doubting film. that. And 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 this again, like we've said, it is a different take on the character. He's he's struggling as Bruce Wayne. He's not even until he goes to that funeral, he's not even going out as Bruce Wayne. He very much is living as a recluse. He's almost like a shell of Bruce Wayne who, you know, he, he starts to become more of a character as the movie goes on. But in the beginning, he's just Batman. And when he's not Batman, he's he just wants to go back out and be Batman again. And I, I can say this honestly, Robert Pattinson is the first person I've ever seen in live action as Batman when he looks 
he generally looks scary. Like not, you know, horror movie scary, but just the intimidation. The eyes, the jaw. I really liked the cowl where it's cut very differently. It's not just that small bit of the mouth that you see. It's a lot more of his jaw. And there's just something about it. Like that bit where he's looking at the kid. You know, his dad, the mayor's just been killed. And he's staring at the kid and the kid's looking back at him. He's like, that would be terrifying. <laughs> Whereas before, we're told that in Batman films, that, oh, look, he's there and he's freaky. But, you know, it was just the guy in a bat suit. Whereas this is the first time looking at Batman, and you're like, yeah, you would be oh, afraid like, of this guy. I, I felt like you can feel his presence. Like, you know, if you go back to you know, the, the start of the film when you first, you know, the narration or the, or the stuff, you know, like... In most Batman movies, you know, we're not seeing the origin again here. So we're getting introduced to, I guess, an established Batman, even though it's only year two, still young. But like what we're getting, what what what's being set up is is this very like mysterious, mythic, like he is not, this character isn't one with the people. He's very much an outsider. He's... He's almost like looking down at them, not down, but like just looking from the outside, even though he's amongst them. He's like, I'm not quite here. And that's just creating this whole, just like, just like this tension of just like, who is this thing? And he's talking about the shadows and those scenes where you've got like, uh, you know, one of the, like a, a criminal or whatever, just looking into the darkness. And you'd think he's about to walk out. And then you're like, oh, your heart starts kind of pumping a little bit. And, nothing happens and I was like oh and then when you finally you were at the train station and you finally see him come out Robert Pattinson is not the biggest Batman we've seen he's not even you know he's he's still a, a fairly lean small guy bigger than me I admit that but you know still a face for Batman he's, he's pretty but the presence that he has when he comes on comes on screen it's just like holy shit like you feel it and you, you're right like I've never felt that with a with another live action Batman, no, I mean, Batman's cool. Never, he's always cool, and you know Ben Affleck came pretty good, you know, with his fighting and that oh. scene in Batman v Superman where Affleck was going oh, the, to save Martha. Yeah, like it the is warehouse such. Thing. Yeah, there's a highlight of that movie. It's such mm. a great scene, but Batman in this movie, and you know, there's stuntmen involved. The speed, I've never seen Batman move as fast. Is he moves in this? It is just incredible. Like, again, I'm saying it's not an action film, it's a drama, there's action in it, but when you do see action, the action is just so fast. But you can see it. It's not too fast that you can't see it. It is so well think, done. And you, you hear every hit. Mm. I think also like his speed kind of plays into the realism of like, how is this guy taking out so many dudes, whether it's just a bunch of crims or if it's, you know, like, you know, bounces at a club and it's almost like well he's getting in first and and it's sort of like yeah. well then suddenly he has the upper hand so he has that advantage plus his skill, oh, so plus his days. strength okay and to me i'm like again feeding into that realism like i'm i'm really i'm buying this like there's nothing yeah, the, fantastical about the his bit fight. in um the bit in the police station and gordon's like you could have pulled the punch i did oh so good <laughs> You know, that's another thing. Him and him and Cox, you know, we're talking about 
things that uh, this movie is doing differently with Batman, you know, like we've seen it in comics, we've seen it in some of the animated films, like just to have Batman walking in into a room with a bunch of cops and I don't know. We've just not like, seen it. It's, it's, we, yeah, it's just, it's we've new. Not, we've not seen that. Yeah. And he, yeah, I mean, how is it new? How are we talking about it? You know, because everyone's, you know, there's some criticism online. Again, there's going to be so much criticism, but, oh, they're doing this again. Oh, who's playing Batman this time? Oh, we've done this already. Watch the film, because no, this has not been done already. We've seen in the Nolan films the, the close working relationship between Gordon and Batman. But then at the end of Dark Knight, is branded a criminal, is on the run. All these different things are happening, whereas... Is walking behind Gordon to a crime scene. And the police are like, hang on, what's this guy doing here? He can't be in here. Hey, he's touching evidence. Some people don't want him there. It's just so well done. And there's a bit where he's picking up evidence and one cop criticizes, and Gordon's like, he's wearing gloves. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's a bit that I he, mean, he sees something that, you know, like the investigators don't. And then there's that one. You know, like yes, and, Elsa, and, and she's, she's like a photo. She's like, oh, that's, that's so good. That. She's she's he's him. Honestly, you're right. The detective, it's working. It's working so well here. But honestly, like I cannot fault Patterson as Batman, and I've got to say Batman because we do get him as Bruce Wayne, but when he's not really going to be the Bruce Wayne. That we know, no, and I until think... maybe the next film. I thought we might have seen something with him putting money into an orphanage or doing something like that. That was a lot of what was happening in this movie. How the Waynes were setting up something to help, but the money never went there. So I thought, but they're going to get to it. Yeah, and I think they I are think going to get to that because we're in such an early day. We've got a Bruce Wayne who. I guess he's still in that morning period that that you know that dark place of you know dealing with the death of his parents and stuff even though you know it's been 20 years or so but he's still dealing with that and I think yeah I think by the end of this movie you see that he's he's I think he might realize that it's like okay the the Bruce Wayne mask that I wear needs to needs to be out there in the public eye and it needs to be doing something. And even, you know, like, um, you know, the, the woman who ends up sort of the mayor candidate or whatever you call mayor elect, um, she, you know, she even says to him, like, you know, like, I would like to see, you know, the Wayne Foundation sort of doing what they used to do. And since you're yeah. past death, you know, like, you haven't done anything. And I think he's going to play into that. In the yeah, future. they're setting it up. They're setting up. I, I mean, again, we talked about the runtime. I think having him evolve as Batman is enough for the film. We kind of know where he's going to go as Bruce Wayne. So there's time for that later. So maybe they didn't want, want too much happening. But you were always going to get the moment where Bruce said to Alfred, you're not my father, you're not my dad. Some version of that. I, I knew that was going to happen because that always happens. And it's fine that it happens because you're not my it, real dad. it still feels... <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. And it still felt organic. And if you think about it, get to the end of the film and not too much then happens between Bruce and Alfred. 
But what does happen when you've got Alfred in the hospital bed, he took a bomb that was meant for Bruce mm. and he's lying there and then Bruce holds his hand. Perfect. That was enough. That was great. Yeah, you like- didn't need anything, anything more than that. These characters are going to continue in other films, but I thought that that really, really worked for me. They didn't need to say anything more than just holding hands. It's such a it's such a surreal experience to like. Obviously, with 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 mythology and lore such as you know the Batman franchise, like you you have all this like baggage, like predetermined knowledge and stuff of these characters and their relationships you know where they're going you know where they're headed you know where they've come from there was something about how things were being told and like the characters were being sort of the relationships were being put on screen and what we were seeing that everything felt fresh and new and I I think the Alfred and and Bruce sort of relationship again just seemed like something different even though I knew you know, I think things are going to be fine. Everything's all be is going to be good. But it was sort of like just looking through the lenses of these new interpretations of these characters. It was it was something something different. And I thought Andy Circus was a really good Alfred, and so different to what we've had before in in the films, at least. I guess Richard. I guess Richard was it Richard Pertwee who. Who played Alfred on the Gotham TV series? Yeah, it was it was Bert Bertrand or I can't no Sean his... Sean Pertwee is the son of one of the original Doctor Who's. Yeah, that's right. I think it's Sean Pertwee. He was a good Alfred, and I guess he would be the closest comparison I would have for what Circus is doing here. Like, he's a British guy, but he doesn't speak like uh, English gentleman. You know, he's a bit rough around the edges. And his experience is in combat. And that's when he says to Bruce, like, you know, I could teach you to fight, but you needed a father and I couldn't be that for you. But they've only got each other. Whether in the hospital and the nurse is asking about a next of kin and then Bruce is like, all he has is me. It's them two together. I I thought we were going to get more Alfred and Bruce, if I'm honest, but what we do get, does oh, it was it does quality? Work. It was quality yes. over quantity with them. Definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, do we want to talk about some of the? I mean, I'll say some of the villains because you know, superhero films or films based on comic books are often criticised if they feature too many villains, and three is usually that number. <laughs> this is quite a packed movie. But it doesn't feel like it. I mean, this is very much Batman going up against Riddler. You know that Catwoman is in it and Penguin, but it doesn't feel like Spider-Man Three would be the obvious. Yeah, no, I think go to when it doesn't work is when you have your villains be, hey, these are your super villains. You know, like we're talking, like when you've got you know, a Two-Face and a, and a Riddler. And it's like, oh, the two of them work together. Or, you know, you've got your Venom and your Sandman and your, you know, your Goblin guy. It's like, they're very much supervillains. But, you know, go back to Batman Begins. Technically, we had Ra's al Ghul, Scarecrow, uh, Falcone. Um, 
you know, like the villains are there, but they're not. They, they are, but they're not yeah, front and center as "Hey, we're super villains. Put us on a poster," and that's what you get in this as well. Like they're big names, but they're not presented as "I am the villain of this movie." They're just characters in the film. You know, before we get to Riddle, actually, can let's can we start with Penguin because I remember when Colin Farrell was first cast, and then we saw the first look at him. As Oswald Cobblepot, I mean, looked nothing like Colin Farrell. I remember thinking at the time, like, why even go to Colin Farrell? I mean, he's like unrecognizable. <laughs> it was said to be in this film very little. And if I'm honest, I thought maybe it would open like with one him. scene. Yep. And we got that bit in the trailer with the car chase. Holy shit, the car chase. But we got that bit in the trailer. And I thought that was going to be it. It was such a pleasant surprise to have him sprinkle throughout the movie. But honestly, Colin Farrell is so good in this movie. He's bloody brilliant. Colin and Farrell's in this praising, movie? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we've been praising Robert Pattinson, and rightly so, but wow, Colin Farrell is so He's so good in this. I, I I just could not get over it. And I talked earlier about them, you know, looking to do a Penguin TV series. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll check it out. Absolutely. If we're going to get more of him as this character, bring it on. Because he was just, he he was he was amazing. You know, at times, like, what were you hearing when he was talking? I mean, obviously, he's not Irish in this movie. He's doing... He's doing a voice or, or an it was, accent. It was like almost like it was like an American with like Italian influence to it, but not an Italian accent as such. It was something something like that. But I mean, one hundred percent not Irish. It definitely wasn't. No, Irish. no, 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 Abs- no, absolutely not. I mean, did not sound like sound like Colin Farrell. But what? I've got to be honest. At times, I'm thinking. Is that, I'm hearing a bit of Danny DeVito here. Is that is that intentional? So I looked into it after seeing the movie. Like, okay, so what did, what were his inspirations? And apparently, it came across a recording of a New York City building caretaker from the eighties, and that was the inspiration for this. How Penguin sounds in this movie. Wow. I mean, it works. <laughs> wow. It absolutely works. I mean, I loved everything about Oswald in this. I like that we've got Iceberg Lounge, which I'm pretty confident in saying, that. well, it is. It's the first time we've had that ever in live action. So that's that's pretty cool. He's got the makeup, the fat suit. He's got, he's got the scarring, the nose is at a point. So they've not gone full Danny DeVito. So they've like scaled it back, but it's like he looks still, like he looks like a real person. <laughs> but still, yeah, but he's with the but at the same time character penguins there. I like mean, they, what they about even, the, the they tie his legs up at one point? I was just gonna yeah. say, I was gonna say, yeah, they tie up his uh, yeah his, his arms and his legs, and that results in him waddling away like an actual penguin. So there we go. So they they know what they're doing. They absolutely know what they're doing. I, yeah, I thought that was um, that was great casting and the performance was was brilliant. Oh, like, I, I mean, like it looked great. 
Um, it, it did feel like he was present throughout this film, you know, like popping up every now and then for logical reasons. He, the character is set up and positioned by the end of this film to sort of take his rise to power. Like he has an opportunity to sort of get in there. So I see big things. I mean, I, if anything, at the end of this movie, are you not so pumped for the Penguin TV series? <laughs> like, oh, man. I can't wait. Yeah, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, give me more of this take on Penguin. But he's not the big bad. No, no. And Selena Kyle, Catwoman, is all over the marketing, but Riddler, he is the big bad in this movie. This is not Jim Carrey Riddler. This is very much, <laughs> I mean, he's called the Riddler. He leaves riddles. But this, I've never seen this take on the character before, ever. But it's 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 great, you know. Like going into the realism of, of all things, you know, like like with Penguin, what they're doing is, you know, what what I would have hoped they would do if they had had Penguin in the Nolan movies, have him be, you know, like a part of organized crime and eventually become like this crime lord kind of thing. And what they're doing here with the Riddler is again another realistic take. What if this character? actually existed in the real world what would he actually be well he's a freaking psychopath like killer who leaves these clues he likes these little puzzles these riddles but it's not you know it's no laughing matter it's 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 madness and that's what this guy is yeah. he's madness and i've got to be honest if 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 this was riddler in the dceu nah no chance in this version of the Batman, I'm going with it. I, and I've got to be honest, I was a bit standoffish before watching the movie because it's so far removed. And it's like, is it really just Riddler in name only? But this is a version of the character. And who knows? I mean, this character does survive, which was good to see, really. Remember back in the in the day, in the <laughs> late 80s, 90s, where they just kill villains. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> just Jim, ridiculous. Jim Carrey's Riddler survived at the end of Batman Forever. Two-Face didn't. Yeah, but it, they, Joker they had, didn't. What they had is they had his costume <laughs> in uh, Batman and Robin. So <laughs> it makes no sense. That absolutely makes no sense. But anyway, I've, I've talked about that on the podcast before. But yeah, it was but it was good that the the villains do survive. Not all of them, but the you know the. The supervillains survive. Mm. And like what we got in the Nolan films could be what we get here. Escalation. You know, and Gordon's talking about Batman jumping off rooftops wearing a mask. Who's to say that the Riddler isn't going to evolve in future films? Like, hey, yeah, like people, I mean, at the moment, he's definitely hiding his identity, but now that's out why can't he now just really embrace the Riddler persona and be like, you know, he's already got a symbol. Well, that's why not it. really in, adopt that and be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Question marks all the way. Let's go for a but brighter this... green. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, give Where's us my that. cane? <laughs> Where's my cane? You know, I did see, um, it was like a, from a photo shoot of Paul Dano, in a green suit with a purple shirt. I'm like, oh, that was so cool. 
And it was just like as a promotion for the film. <laughs> and um, it looked really cool. But yeah, this version of Riddler is very different, but very much fits within this world and and the story they're telling. Oh, it's it's an interpretation of this character that I think could could very much fit in the world of you know Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Like that's the type of adapting of these characters to a certain level of realism that it's like, well shit, yeah. You know, like that kind of look at Joker was okay, what if we take the Joker character and really apply him to the real world? What kind of human person would that person be? And that's what they've done with the Riddler here. It's like I, I love it. Yeah. And poor Dano. Like I this guy is like criminally like just undervalued. He is incredible. Um, anytime he's he's doing something and here is no exception um, i know for the most part he is behind a mask and you know it's on video and he's putting on a performance for the i guess like the the saw type jigsaw kind of videos that he's making but then when you i mean you're get, not wrong there when you just <laughs> get, but when you just get poor dano as edward yeah like Oh, like he just does that. He works his magic, and you're just like, yeah. holy shit! Like it's amazing. Honestly, I'm going to say this: performances across the board. There's not a weak link in this cast, and you're you're right. He is absolutely fantastic. Did you see the the Beach Boys movie that he was in a few years ago, Love and Mercy, where he, he played? Brian Wilson. I haven't, but I'm assuming he was amazing. (laughs) It's a great film. That was the performance that Matt Reeves saw that made him want him for this. It's always interesting when you can go back and and you can see, okay, so what were the directors thinking? Like when they had the idea, let's get this guy to audition or I'm going to write this part for him. But that was the movie. And with um, Robert Pattinson, the movie was Good Times. I know you've recommended that on the podcast before. Yeah, so good. That so was the good. one. Before we get to, in fact, no, what I was going to say before we get to Catwoman, let's talk Catwoman, and then we could talk about the other villains that aren't super villains. There's Selena Kyle. We've got Zoe Kravitz, and I mean, amazing. <laughs> She's absolutely amazing in. In this film, we've had Catwoman before, whether it be Michelle Pfeiffer, Anne Hathaway, Halle Berry. You know, we've had so many Catwomen. And obviously before in the 60s, you know, all the Adam West Catwomen. But this this take on the character, very in line with The Long Halloween and Batman Year One, which she absolutely killed it. So good. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't even want to refer to her really as Catwoman as such. I feel like she's just Selena Kyle. Obviously, she's Catwoman. Like, I'm not denying that at all. Um, but she's she's just she's just this very human character. She's yeah, but mate, she's Catwoman. I mean, no, she's, I know she's Catwoman. She's wearing. She's not just wearing the Catwoman outfit. Oh, she's got the cat. I like that. Like she's <laughs> she's got the whip. She's got the balaclava with cat ears. I mean, she's Catwoman. Absolutely. No, no, no I mean, refers not, to I'm him as the bat. She's, she's the cat. Yeah, I know, not but, I, she's this Catwoman, is, but I just, 
I just feel like because she's so humanized and you know it's not like it's not like hey I've got this secret identity and I go around doing this it's like she is just I don't know I think I'm just trying to praise the fact that she's such a real person no no I get and I agree with that completely but at the same time he's Batman she's Catwoman like she's yes yes okay she's absolutely that character and it's something that we've got more and more of in recent years in the comics where it is the bat and the cat Mm. and they are romantically involved it's so good seeing it here and you know like we've seen you know Catwoman and Batman I was gonna say Batwoman Catwoman and that was that other movie we were talking about um Catwoman and Batman you know we've seen their relationship in live action played a couple of times again we're getting it here but it feels like such a different take on it I agree and it might be Michelle Fife has always been like my favorite like she's a just the best, just the best as that Catwoman. But, you know, I mean, some criticisms I've got, you know, I mean, she does go from this quirky kind of awkward assistant nerdy type to this, like, leather flipping sexy beast kind of thing. And it's all like, and there's how, like did that there's a, how did that happen? Yeah, and there's, there's like, like there's... Thing to exactly, right. there's like a supernatural element mm. as well where she literally does have nine lives whereas she can die like, and just be reborn whereas yeah this is very much what zoe kravitz is doing like, well what her character has is like again there's this built-in history with her that we're we're learning about you know like she's already sort of incorporated into like you know the criminal world not so much as a criminal although she you know she's she's doing bad things you know like she's she's committing crimes but not to the the level of like you know the mob and, and things like that and then there's she's involved in this story with personal stakes you know like she's trying to find her friend and then it sort of becomes a revenge thing and then the added layer of her father but before we get to her father though like what you were just saying there he it works so well because you've got a character like this Batman is so driven. He has his mission. That is it. That is his whole focus. But then somebody else comes on, someone like Selena Kyle, and it just so happens that they can benefit each other, but at the same time, they've got their own motives. Yes, like their missions like Batman's are Batman's going one way. She's looking for her friend but they can help each other. Like the bit where she's wearing the contact lenses. I eat all of that. It's like, look this way, that way. And there was just the chemistry between those two were fantastic. And ultimately they do come together. The fighting side by side. We do see Selena be heroic at a time where if not for her, Batman would have died. Ah, Everything about, about them and like you're saying they feel like real people and it, and it was selena that was like helping bruce not just be batman he was starting to feel something that he'd never felt before and he gets to a point like with alfred like he thought that he had suffered the worst thing that he could ever ever suffer he had experienced fear and he conquered fear there's nothing else that could hurt him but then he realizes that's not true. 
Like he can be the Batman, but he's also Bruce Wayne still. In his love for Alfred, his romantic love for Selena Kyle, he just shows him that there's more to him than just being the Batman. There is so much happening over these three hours. I love it. You just wait until we we talk the third act and you know that the true arc of Batman in this film, and we'll, we'll get into it. Oh man, I cannot wait. Honestly, I, I really do want to talk <laughs> about that. But you, you mentioned Selena's father, Carmine Falcone, played by John Turturro. Can I be honest? Right, I think the last couple of films I saw John Turturro in were the last few. Transformers films because yes. I've not seen them and I I binged them recently and I remember watching them especially I think was it the last night the one with Anthony Hopkins oh, like the and worst just, the worst one I know but just thinking this guy is so wasted John Totoro is so wasted in these in these later sequels and then seeing him in this and you're like wow he he is so good in this movie. And again, I know I can say that about every cast member because I do think that. But wow, he is brilliant in this. Yeah, look, I mean, I did the same thing. You know, like I heard about his casting and all I could think about was, you know, his his character in, in the Transformers films. But then you forget, you almost forget, you know, like the big Lebowski, um, just things like that that he's been in, those types of characters. And you just go, no, this, this guy could do it. and then. Then you see, you see him on screen as Falcone, as Falcone, and you're just like, yeah, perfect. <laughs> like this is, this works. This, this is a, he's a scary dude, and uh, I, yeah, he looks like he's got people under his finger. Like, <laughs> oh man, and just the the reveal as well is that you know, the kind of oh, okay, so we we found the rat. Carmine is the rat and he's working for the police. And then it's revealed, no, 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 no. It's the other way around. And although not his official title, he's unofficially been the mayor for 20 years. Yeah. Everybody is working for him. And that was such a great, great reveal. I feel like, yeah, I, absolutely. I feel like they he used, was so good. They used this character better. And he's more integral to, uh, again, it goes into those thematics and what this movie is trying to say and, and talk about more so than how they use Falcone in you know, the Nolan movies. Again, don't want to draw comparisons, but that's really the last time we saw him in live action on the big screen. They did it better because his character was integral to everything that was going on in terms of everything I just said and then the stuff with, Riddler and things like that, and you know, all connected. clues, yeah. everything's connected. All pretty much that's the thing again. Talking about trying to remove certain scenes, it's like now everything is really integral, like each scene plays off one another, and every kind of thing that you're seeing is related. There's not, there's no subplot in this, there's there's different aspects yeah, good to point. the plots, yeah, but it really is. Yeah. One it's all connected. Plot. Really, it's a it's a simple plot, but because there's so many integral moving parts to it, that it becomes one really hefty, really hefty solid plot. And again, Falcone is a big aspect of it. When we got to the when we got to the part with Selena saying, you know, revealing that she was his daughter, 
I was I was surprised in that moment, not because you know it's it's a revelation of something new, but purely because I didn't think they were going to do that. I mean, you know, like like you said, we we recently watched the Long Halloween Part One and Two, and you know we that's a that's a story element from that and i was like okay well that's something you know interesting that they did there when they did it in this i was like wow okay <laughs> like i just felt surprised and yeah no i was surprised he didn't deny it to be honest it's like I thought maybe knew. yeah i mean he yeah. he knew yeah like because i mean i was kind of thinking that maybe he he knew the whole time or like they had already discussed that them two characters then obviously it's revealed that he obviously well, maybe he did know, he didn't know, but she hadn't told him and she didn't know if he knew or not. So, yeah, I'm just so glad. It was just, so, yeah. my main concerns were mainly like, okay, well, has he been like Googling eyes her, Googling, you know, like, has he been inappropriate with her? Because then it gets, no. then it gets Yeah, strange. no, he, he, he not definitely... That's not to think about that. No, no, he I mean, <laughs> he, he knew who her mum was and just when she said it, like, he... He didn't question it. Yeah, he knew. He knew. He absolutely did know. So initially, she thought him the way he'd look and affection was attraction, but no, like he, yeah, he absolutely knew. He always who kept she her was. close for that, even though he didn't want to obviously engage in that. You know, engage in that sort of father daughter yeah. relationship, but he still kept her close, keep an eye on her. Oh, it's uh, yeah, it's layered. It, it absolutely layered. is. But let's talk James Gordon. We've kind of touched on him, but we've not really talked about the fact that here we are, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. And I remember with the Nolan films, I know another comparison. I thought Gary Oldman as Gordon nailed it, and I still think that he is such a good Gordon, but. We're getting a really good James Gordon from Jeffrey Wright here. And I thought he was just excellent. One of the, not the only good cop, because we do see that great reveal where other honest cops come out to greet Carmine when he's being arrested. But just for the most part, Gordon having to go up against other cops justifying Batman being in the room, fighting for him, protecting him, working alongside him. It's a, it's different enough, their relationship in this film, that we've seen before. And, yeah, I thought Jeffrey Wright really did a good Gordon. Yeah, I love that. I love that the relationship between the two of them was already, like, established to the point where, you know, they weren't best friends or anything like that, but... They were working hand in hand. I mean, they even talk about like, you know, they're questioning the trust for each other. It's like, don't you trust me yet? It was like, well, you don't trust me enough to tell me who you are. But it's After like, we, two we, don't, years. we don't, yeah, we, we don't have to go through the whole motions of, you know, like, like, what is this Batman vigilante thing? Like, what does he stand for? Who is he? Um, and then, okay, let's introduce the bat signal. It's like, it's already there. It's, 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 I did like it's that. established, even though it's still early. It's like we can get straight into it and we can see them working hand in hand, but still with kind of a rocky, questionable kind of angle to it. it, it was well, that's it. Well, even, even in the moment where, you know, Batman's pretty much 
He's thinking he might not survive this. And he's walking away from Gordon, which could be for the last time. And he says, you're a good cop. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. That's their relationship. Like that, that's all they have. <laughs> obviously, they, you know, the characters evolve over time. And their friendship, you know, unorthodox, but they do have a friendship, a working relationship, should I say. But that was it. Like there was <laughs> the, par- the parting exchange of words, you're a good cop. But, yeah, we get a good Gordon in this. But, I, again, I'm, people are probably sick of hearing me say it, but another good performance. <laughs> another, <laughs> another good performance. Look, I mean, I guess in, in summary form, it's like, Again, they use they use the character well. He's integral. He's not just there, and that's the thing. All of these characters, you know, they're there for a reason, and it's not just. Even though it, it helps, but it's not just for the world building of Gotham City. They're actually important to this plot, but then none of them are there, sort of overshadowing another character. You know, even though we had Penguin in this. He's not popping up as, oh, look, it's the villainous penguin and, you know, taking away from, you know, Riddler being the big threat. You know, like, Gordon isn't taking away from the relationship between Batman and, and Selena or Batman and Alfred and vice versa and, you know, in all different directions. But they're all integral to the plot and how the story is developing. And I just love that handling of all of these big character names and all and well, just all well performed and he, yeah and it, you're right like we just said it flows really well so when you've got like your your attention is always on what's happening so when you've got batman and gordon that's what you're thinking about when you've got bruce and alfred or bruce and selena or Catwoman and batman your attention is just drawn there's so much happening between the characters, because this is such a character-driven movie. The performances, the story, all of it just grabs your attention. And you're not wondering what's happening over here or happening over there. Everything's just so developed that you're fully immersed in the story. It's, I, I just can't like praise the performances and the story enough. But we've talked about the characters, we've talked about Gotham, but there's other things integral to a Batman film. The Batmobile. You need to have a Batmobile. And gotta say, this one, for the most part, at certain angles, just looks like a black car. <laughs> it really does. Oh, without the without back, the, the blasters the, on the back. Yeah, the back like, is something else. That's what I'm saying. Certain angles. Most <laughs> angles, it looks like a black car. But um, holy crap. So Batman's got a muscle car in this movie. And I did hear before watching the movie, when he turns on the ignition for the first time, the sound in the cinema is incredible. And it did not disappoint. Yes, you need this, the Dolby Atmos for this moment. Of course, of course. <laughs> but this is, I mean... I mean, look at what Batmobiles we got. I mean, go back to Batman 66, uh, the you know, 89 Keaton Batmobile, Val Kilmer's Batmobile, you know, George Clooney, they all had big fins, like they didn't look practical. I mean, Keaton's Batmobile couldn't turn corners, 
Like, it had to have a little stand come out the bottom and revolve the whole car, <laughs> change it to a different direction. But this is a much more... A it's a <laughs> car that more... he's modded. And I love how throughout the movie, oh, it's, it's almost brilliant. teased. It it's like, you know, his workshop, there's uh, mechanical yes. bits and pieces, like, I don't know, pipes and exhausts and pistons, and I'm running out of things I know of that are in cars. Yeah, but I mean, it's, lying it's around. under a tarp when you yeah. first see it. It's under a tarp, but you what know a, exactly what it is. What a build. And, and you're right, yeah. And, but it worked. And that chase in the rain with Penguin, there's, like, cars crashing, there's tankers, everything's happening, and there's explosions Penguin thinks he's got away. Batman keeps coming. And then just an upside down shot of Penguin in his car, Batman walking towards him. And I was going to say earlier, actually, the sound of his boots, just the noise of his boots. Batman's boots? Like on his feet? Yeah, Batman's boots. <laughs> yeah, it almost sounds like he's an, what's he called that? What's he called that cowboys have? It's the, um, you know, the, you know what I'm talking about. When they're riding the horses, the spinning things on the back with the spikes. I know what you're talking about. I just I don't know what they're called. Anyway, uh, then it, it kind of it has a it has a sound to it, almost like a metallic sound as as he's walking. And then yeah, the explosions, the car chase, we get it there. Is it spears? No, I can't. Anyway, it's I was a, thinking it's something like that, but I again, I, it I, is I'm, it is something like that. I've not watched a western in a long time. I don't think. Does Back to the Future Part 3 count? Anyway, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched a proper Western. Spurs? But that was it. Yes, that is that is it. Yep, well done. Because Spurs, sure. That is that is correct. So that is exactly what they are. But yes, the, the Batmobile looks great. Looks great in this. And um, yeah, that chase. It's, good. it's a good Such a highlight. It's a <laughs> What I like the bat suit. With well, I've just I've just been talking about his boots. Something that we get in here. So let's get the upper half then. Let's get the upper half. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about his eyes because we've always seen that you know when you get a close up of Batman, you know whether it's Keaton, Kilmer, Clooney, doesn't matter. He's got black around the eyes under the cowl, but then magically is removed when he takes off the cowl. Not here. When he's not wearing the cowl, he's still got black around the eyes. And it just, it added so much to the look. It was dark. It was dirty. He's sweating. It's smeared. Oh, his and hair's, it's just, you know, like his hair's all messed up. Like it, it, but it should be. He should have hat hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's had a cowl on. And do you know what I really loved, actually? Like, he's got black around the eyes. And when he's infiltrating a building, but not as Batman, he doesn't want to be as obvious. And he's got his he's got his backpack, his his jacket's a bit more filled out because he's clearly got the suit underneath, but he's got the hood up, black around the eyes, and he goes in there, switches into Batman. I've not seen that before. I've not seen that in a Batman film before. And I thought that was a good use of him going in somewhere undercover. Yeah. Again, it's just that it's that realistic thing. It's not like, oh, he just disappears and then he comes back and he's fully decked out. It's like they've actually thought about, okay, practically, how would this work? How would he get into his suit and have everything all, all ready to go? 
like the eyes and stuff. You know, it, yeah, realism. It's good. Exactly. The, there's 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 not time. In fact, you know what? Not Batman. Nicholas Cage is Big Daddy in Kickass. He, he we got to see him apply the black around his eyes. <laughs> yeah, so like a montage. The, with, Getting ready moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Kickass did it first, uh, but we're getting it here. <laughs> we're getting it here in a Batman film. What I love about this suit, you know, like when we were first seeing, you know, like the first images of it, you know, we've seen some of the toys, the pops, and we're seeing like the stitching and like almost like the the very raw kind of um, makeshift look of the suit. I was like, okay, cool. Like an interesting take on, on it. I'm all for it. Having said that though, like watching it, in action in this movie, the suit looks just as badass as any other live-action uh, Batman, if not, if not better than most. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it incredible. Of, I, I don't even. Besides, like close-ups of like the cowl and stuff, we see the stitching. I was like, I really didn't get like a makeshift feel to it. It, it, it almost looked. I mean, I think the closest resemblance was probably like the, like the Arkham Asylum games. Or whatever they called the you know the ones like where he, he's you know the suit's pretty chunky and beefy. There's sort of bits and pieces all over it. Yeah, um, and it, you know that worked on him being such a slim dude. Again, it's just like it beefed him up enough to make him have that presence. The suit looked good. Oh, and, the suit looks fantastic. It's what I was saying before. It it makes him look wide. It makes him look wide, not chunky but wide, mm. but the stitching on the cowl, although you see it and I, I love that detail, it doesn't look like he just sewed it together himself. Like it looks professionally done, but I do like that. Just the, the roughness around the edges works really well. And the, the bat emblem is practical. You can take it off and cut things. <laughs> it's more than just a logo. Yeah. I, you know what? Like, Again, like going into all the realism of things, you know, like when when he's grappling onto things, you know, like previously when we've seen Batman do that, it's just like he'll put his arm up, he'll shoot his grapple, and then off he goes. In this, it's it's like they show you it's the back of a radiator. <laughs> they show you what he's actually grappling onto. Yeah, but it's, it's like the the extra detail. The, like the lifting off the ground and then when he's in motion, like, there's something just, there's a pun here, but like something grounded about it <laughs> when, when, he's, when he's taking off it, it. It just doesn't seem as simple as just like hooking onto something and going. It's, you know, there's weight to him. There's <laughs> momentum in like, the swings or the climb or whatever it is, it, it's just something about it just felt more raw and realistic. And I just like how they did have him using gadgets because sometimes it's like they don't, he doesn't use them enough or they use them too much. Here, I think they just got it just right. <laughs> and the gadgets, they're not overly technical. Like we're not seeing sci fi gadgets, like, like batarangs that like knock out 20 people or something. Yeah, so we're not, we're not seeing stuff like that. What I was going to say on the costume, best cape. It is the best cape I've ever seen on Batman. The way that it hangs, the way that it moves when mm -hmm. he's in motion. This is the best Bat cape 
I've ever seen. Hey, after after you know he, he does the whole inflatable gliding thing, and then you see him and he doesn't have a cape. Ooh, Again, no bag, no cape. Never like, seen it. Looks yeah. great. Well, I'm saying, you know, whenever I say Ooh. I've never seen it, I mean in live action because Batman Zero Year in the comics, he absolutely had oh. the bat suit without a cape. Oh, you, so in live action, yeah. never seen it. But it looks, it looks brilliant. When him and Selena are both on their own motorbikes and they're riding alongside each other and they go separate, it's just, ah, there's so many things in this movie. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. (laughs) And it is just, ah, so, so well done. Okay, we've done Batsuit, done the Batmobile. Let's talk Batcave. Because we do have a Batcave in this movie, but what they're doing is... It's not the typical big cave under Wayne Manor, but instead what they've done is they've based it on a secret underground railway that still exists in New York. So he's not going to bump into other people. And it's not like secret trap doors opening or things like that, but he's, as he's riding under there, you're seeing like his name's on the wall. Like it's got the Wayne name. And he's going in there, whether it's a motorbike or the Batmobile, but he's underground. But again, like a lot of things in this movie, it's a more realistic take. Like there's not a giant penny or a giant T-Rex or any of those things <laughs> that we've seen in Batman comics. One day. But we'll get there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, they're clearly going to have sequels. But I really <laughs> like that. That it's, it's still underground, but it's like he's got his own little network. I bet Ben Affleck has a giant T-Rex in his Batcave. We haven't seen the full Batcave that he has. But anyway, one day. day. Multiverse. (laughs) Well, whether it's it's Affleck or Keaton, one of them's got to have a giant T-Rex. Come on, Flash. (laughs) Do you know what? It'd be the Clooney Batman that has a T-Rex. Let's just... (laughs) Bring oh, back just you, so we have a giant you coin, not, a big, big T-Rex. You are not wrong. He is absolutely the <laughs> Batman the one to have a giant T-Rex. That's right. They should do it. Make my day. Um, you know, I'm just, um, as we sit here and record, I'm looking at my desk and I'm looking at my George Clooney Batman pop vinyl. Love that thing. <laughs> it's a cool, it's a cool pop vinyl. The fun it is. Suit. It's a fun suit. It's where it, it well, makes well, a good toy. It makes a good toy. I was, yes, I was just going to say it's the worst suit. But you're right. It, exactly. it does because it does what it's it intended just, to do. It's not just Batman wearing a black suit. It's blue and silver. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's crazy. But I love it anyway. Well, look, this <laughs> anyway. Th- yeah, this Batcave again. The real. It's it's cool. It's it reminds me that it's the early days. It's you know like he's decked it out enough that he he really only just needs you know just the computer stuff. You know, a place to work on his on his car and store his bike, and <laughs> like he doesn't need, but he, he's still at least been like, well, I can't keep this stuff in my bedroom, you know, or in the east wing. I've got to, it's got to be hidden, but I still need some space. But he hasn't decked it out so it's like gadgets and gizmos and what have you all over the place, you know. Like it's it's just a space that he's got. It's a hidden space. That he can work, <laughs> and that's and that's it. I loved it. Looked good. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Now I just realised before we talk about Wayne Manor, Thomas Wayne. There's a revelation, or there's a couple of revelations 
in this movie, and we find out that there is a relationship between his dad and Carmine Falcone. So that's happening. It turns out that his dad wanted to protect Martha, time that she spent in hospital. Anyway, he just didn't want her name dragged through the mud. But Bruce finds out that his dad did some things that maybe he wasn't too proud of. As that was starting to unravel, honestly, I was having flashbacks to The Amazing Spider-Man, the untold story of (laughs) Spider-Man. But it didn't end up being that. And it worked. I mean, it's similar to what we got with Falcone in The Long Halloween, but it's different enough. And then we find out from Alfred that Thomas didn't want this reporter killed. And actually, I'm not sure if you noticed, but the reporter's name, his surname was Elliot. Did you pick up the connection to Batman Hush, an animated movie we reviewed a while back. Yeah. And nobody was showing the newspaper clippings. It actually said the word hush. So that was nice. That was a nice little nod. And I mean, uh, let's be fair, the Riddler's outfit is probably closer to the look of hush than, you know, classic Riddler. So... Yeah, it's bandages, but yeah, I mean, he's covering up his old oh, face. But he's I mean, it's just like it's bulky. You've got like the like the coat type thing, like the jacket. You know, it's it's like army surplus kind kind of wear. It's there, it's there. The look yeah, is, that's is, that's a good comparison actually. But yeah, but what I was going to say is that we're, we're getting Bruce finding out something about his father that he never that he never knew. I think what and I, I was, thought that what I took from it or where I was going with it was. You know, like what they did with Thomas Wayne in Joker, where you know, you know, he wasn't the most glamorous, you know, wonderful human being. Um, and I still kind of have, you know, a bit of gripe with that, but that worked for that film. Here, obviously, they started to play with that, but at least, yeah, it's definitely, it was, yeah, it wasn't yeah, it's the different case. here case. because Alfred is saying to Bruce, like, like no, 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 he should have, <laughs> no, he should have known better. But when he went to Carmine, he didn't want him to kill the reporter. That's not what he intended. But again, Alfred said he should have known better. Carmine can't be trusted. But then you find out that this reporter was also corrupt. So there was a few things going on there. But I thought they... <laughs> it was corrupt. They De- deserve to die. It's fine. <laughs> no, but I just mean that I thought they, they addressed it, but they yeah. were still able to move past it. And this wasn't introducing a new wrinkle in Batman law that would ultimately change the direction of the character moving forward. No, no, it created a bit but of conflict during yeah, this and story, then it's gonna... but then resolved it enough where, you know, you know, Batman could be at peace with the fact that, okay, daddy wasn't... But it's also going to it's also gonna spur Bruce on because he's like, well, I'm out there doing everything I'm doing as Batman, but I do have a responsibility i have a name that people know and my family have done good over the years and and it maybe feels that he might need to make up for what his dad did do but ultimately he is going to be there for gotham not just as batman but as bruce but as i was watching i thought oh are they going to do something damning with thomas wayne 
that is going to change yeah. the course of the I character. was worried. That didn't happen. No, I didn't. So that was all good. But Wayne Manor, though, gothic. Oh, like so gothic. So, so different normally. Like, I think, I guess a good example would be, because it's been used in so many TV and films, the X-Men Mansion. That's usually the go-to in comic yeah. book, TV, and film. If like they're a castle a mansion, type mansion. But pretty generic at the same time. Where yeah, is still looks like a home. Not, <laughs> that, yes. That's not Wait, what this, we're getting. This looks like a it's cathedral. Almost like, <laughs> this like yes, a church. I was going to say cathedral, yeah. It's, it's very different. But again, that's also leaning into what I was saying about Tim Burton's Batman and certain areas of Gotham. It is more gothic, and it really works. This was weird for me because it did look very much like a cathedral. I was like, would, like, I mean, not, not looking at sort of the upkeep of the, of the mansion because obviously that's a result of 20 years passing and stuff like that, but the actual structure of, of the, the home and the furniture that is in there currently, it's sort of like, would a family have lived there it, i don't know it seemed like but we've also we, yeah but we only we only saw certain areas towards the end of the film bruce start unlocking areas of the house that his parents use that he hasn't been using like what we saw was him actually in a chapel like <laughs> well it was like an area of the house but then you know they, they talk about like that like old gotham like in you know the the old families of Gotham, the Waynes, the Arkhams. So this is going to be a very old building that they're living in anyway. In certain mm. areas, I'm sure, have been refurbished and modernised. But it just it it added something extra, and maybe you know a particular part of the house is designed that way, and he, he purposely moved himself to that side of the house. I don't know. But what I do know is that I like that they're giving us something different here, and it's not just another generic mansion that we've seen before. I can appreciate that angle of it. I still think it's a bit uh, a bit strange, but I guess maybe like what you're saying, like maybe there's more to the, the house that we didn't see that would make a bit more sense, and maybe Batman likes to just be in the, in the very gothic parts of the mansion. You know, speaking of gothic, you know what is very overdue? We've got to talk about your favourite composer, Michael Giacchino. Oh, what an energy this, this movie that he brings. Man. This music, this score, wow, it is incredible. Before the album was released, they put out the, the main thing on iTunes. I was like, I think 30 seconds, bought it. Got to have it. <laughs> Love it. It is, this score is incredible. And, you know, we all know the Danny Elfman, Batman 89 theme, and Hans Zimmer did, you know, incredible work with James Newton Howard with the Nolan films. But then this, uh, it's just, it is it is incredible. It is infectious. It, oh, not, I mean, not just the not just the Batman theme, but then it's like 
Selena Kyle stuff, the like Riddler, and like with Riddler, you know, like yeah. I was like, what I was hearing, you know, like it, it it sounded like that. I always forget how to pronounce it, but the um, you know, you know, like the the hymn song kind of, you know, the one. And then they, he actually ends up seeing that, and I'm like, oh, it is that. Okay, cool. Wasn't just me then. <laughs> The, the score is great, like atmospheric, but also just bringing this like tonal energy that just drives everything home. Everything that we've talked about in praise so far is just wrapped up nicely with this score, sending us absolutely on this journey. Absolutely. And I just love the, the reuse of, of, of themes as well, like as you know like you'll hear a, a theme being replayed and you're like hey that character is about to walk on screen because <laughs> you, you you can identify it sometimes to say that is you know like it's like oh, okay well it's very simplistic and easy but it really works here there's so many characters yeah. and and the music does blend into one another it's not like it's not like everything is so isolated each tune is so isolated it, it's it's of one piece of it one. It does, yeah. It does yeah, all yeah. blend, which it kind of needs to with, you know, so many characters, you know, coming in and out of shop. But what you were just saying there, like, it, it is, but not, not in a negative way, but the music sometimes or the score sometimes does teleplay. <laughs> like, you kind of know who's going to be coming <laughs> next because it's, but it works so well. And we've said, like, I mean, Marvel have got so much better in recent years, but I think, you know, the tourists have even gone back and checked out some of the earlier scores and actually enjoyed them more than we maybe did when they were first released. But like Iron Man, when Iron Man 2 came out, like instead of having a score, it was pretty much just ACDC. <laughs> and we we're talking about how, you know, the time of like John Williams, Superman, you know, that wasn't really a thing anymore. Whereas they've absolutely done this like he's he's put together a brand a brand new theme for well individual characters but it works so well like just talking about the batman theme and you hear it all put together and it's you know it's the whole and it works so well together but because it works so well and it's you just recognize it instantly we're talking earlier about the the car chase and just the way that he split it up and it worked so well. And you were cutting between Penguin and the Batmobile. And whenever he cut to the Batmobile, he played a snippet of the theme and it was just enough. And it worked so well spliced as it does together. It is such a good theme. Oh, and I'm just thinking just that scene, like the, the moment where oh, Penguin's in his car upside down and it's an upside down shot of Batman approaching Penguin and it like like he just did. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, like, holy so Lord. See, it's what I talked about earlier oh, with man. the boots, with the spurs, <laughs> the spurs sound. <laughs> but, oh, but it is, it is, it is incredible. I can't remember the last time I just absolutely fell in love with a score as quickly as I have done with this one. It is, it is it just, and, and it's incredible. Gia, Gia Chena behind it, like, I'm starting to think, because, you know, some, some of the great composers, even 
you know, like John Williams has his iconic ones, of course, you know, the one, all of those. But sometimes when he's just doing an atmospheric kind of score, they are, they do, a lot of them do just sound like, yeah, oh, this is a John Williams. I can hear John Williams in it. Same with Zimmer and, you know, a lot of the great ones. It's like, well, Elfman, absolutely. Oh, Elfman. Like, is Batman like, he, has, like he has his style. He really does. And <laughs> yeah, with Giacchino, though, like I say this in the, in the, best way possible he's all over the place like he in yes i agree like he's doing like emotional he's doing like upbeat poppy and then suddenly he's doing this dark gritty like intimidating he can he can do it all but you know what i did read which just blew my mind is that you know we've just been talking about the batman thing giacchino wrote that theme before the movie even went into production and while Matt Reeves was still writing the script. And he played that piece of music for Matt Reeves. And, and obviously that is what became the Batman theme. But I mean, how? What's well, perfect? He like, I mean, he much like a lot of us would have um, you know, an interpretation of Batman, what we believe a true definitive style of Batman would be. Um, and then I guess he would hope for the best that that would fit what Matt yeah, Reeves true. was going for and what Matt Reeves ended up delivering us was, I guess, a very true, I, I dare I say, a definitive type Batman that really does encapsulate what you'd, you'd hope to get out of it. So I guess it worked. It really I, I know, but it's just, it's just so bold. I <laughs> It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. But it sounds like no other Batman thing. Like none. Yeah. So to go yeah. to go from from just doing something completely original, and then we hear it now, and immediately it sounds like Batman. It, it's it's so incredible. It just fits. It has the energy of the the, the movie and then this tone, like the like what this film is giving us. Oh, it, it's it is brilliant. What I will ping this movie for but you know there's a couple like songs in this film and i feel like i could just do without them okay that's all, I, that's all i'll say there's just a, there's a couple and i'm i'm just like i don't know it, it made it, it did kind of take the tone of the film and go i don't know it, it just i just didn't think lyrical songs when yeah in this film. i was just gonna say that I didn't have that thought, but as soon as you said that, I agree with you completely. It kind of it it made this film feel like a movie, <laughs> which is and I mean it's it's not the first time for a Batman film. I mean, Prince did write the soundtrack <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the first Batman I think film. It was probably more in line with um, you know, like what Zack Snyder does with with his films, you know, like yeah, yeah and of, he did that with it with well the the Snyder Cup of Justice League, mm. there was a couple of songs in there. Oh, well, even yes, even the now you've even mentioned the, it. the theatrical cut of of Justice League also had you know like the opening credits song and, and things like that. And I it's think been a while. PBS, <laughs> I think Batman v Superman also had a had a song over the opening credits. I think. I mean, it did. It clearly didn't take me out of the movie as I was watching it. But again, when you said it there, it's like, yeah, it's. Mm. I look not a major, not a major thing, but I think if you know, 
I mean, it worked. I, I will stand. You know, it definitely did did work. But it's well, at least they weren't they yeah. weren't like you know like hottest you know top forty pop songs or anything like that. It was it was like tonally, at least the songs were dreary and you know like yeah. they had a somberness to them. Fine, you know, if you are going to do it. But yeah, that's again just a very minor, minute little little ping. Well, let's talk third act. Now, again, we talked about the runtime and probably, what, around the two and a half hour mark, Riddler is arrested and is locked up. And you've still got quite a bit of movie to go, but then you find out all the people that he has been communicating with, what was it, like 500 people, but like-minded people on the dark web, they'd been out, got their own riddler gear and you've got the flood the riddlers are there because i'm not thinking oh well what else is going to happen because riddler very sore style was doing his thing but then he'd been captured so i'm thinking well what big threat could it be now i didn't think it was going to be a flooding but then when you see all the other armed assailants you're like oh okay there's there's a lot more happening here. And that's the moment or around about that time where Batman realizes that it can't just be about vengeance because he's been saying that all along. That is what he's out for, vengeance and being in the shadows. Yeah. And now these other characters looking just like the Riddler are saying the same thing. They're here for vengeance. They're all about vengeance. And he has the realisation that he can be more and he has to be more. And he needs to, instead of just instill fear, he needs to inspire hope. And this third act, and sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes comic book movies can falter a little bit in the third act. Hey, there I'm wasn't just... there wasn't a beam shooting into the sky, so I'm good, man. No, I'm, but, but <laughs> again, like the the strength of this movie is the characters, and that's what's really helping it. So you do get some cool moments of Batman taking these guys down. I said earlier, you get the moment where Selena comes to his aid and saves him, but it's all this character development, and I've got to be honest, like. One of the best scenes in the movie is when you've got Batman walking through the water with the flare. So you've got the bright red flare, you've got the blue and red flashing from the cop car, and it is just incredible. And he's he's taking people to safety. Yeah. The imagery start to finish in this movie, but that in particular is just incredible. And one at a time, you've got Batman just carrying one person to safety. And because he's a man, he is is a man. Yes, he's got his gadgets, he's got his training, and he's got all the money in the world, but he's still a man. And he's putting himself on the line, and he's there with the people, saving them. And it's honestly, it, it just, it did it for me. Like, it was... It was so good. And then he reached out for the mayor or the, was it the mayor-elect? And she was a bit reluctant initially. And then the kid took his hand and then he took her. And 
it's just it was it was brilliant. Like one of my favorite things from the whole movie was that whole sequence in the water, him taking people to safety, and he didn't stop. The emergency services are arriving, and he's still there pulling people out one at a time. I mean, I think I think he said it. I think he said it all. I mean, from from just the start of this this third act, like you said, you know, like the ball can be dropped, and I do not think there was any ball dropping here today. Um, that was a thing I just said. Um, <laughs> there's like, I just I love how okay, it's almost like the like the mystery is solved, but then it's like okay, there's a bigger picture to all of this and you know what it gets all of gotham involved it's not just hey um i'm the killer and i've been killing these high profile people because they're a bit dodgy they're a bit corrupt there's more to it there's hey i've got a larger message to really put out there and, and you know and, and, and batman sort of shuts riddler down and in like you know like no i'm not a part of your plan this isn't gonna go how you thought it was gonna go well, i think riddler says that but you know what i mean but like with the with the the blowing up the i can't remember what, what it blows up but you know that which causes the floods and you know like gotham's now in in havoc and you know like they're it leads to you know martial law they're in you know they're essentially well by the end of it they're all like you know the city's in shambles there's a big reset there's a big moment happens and even though you know, it's not a beam in the sky. It's not, you know, like a giant fight or anything at the end, but it's still, hey, we get a big action set piece with with like the flooding in the stadium and stuff like that. It, it So visually it's like, okay, cool. We're getting, we're getting, I guess, some of the action that hasn't really been present throughout the film, not in the traditional sense. So I just love how we do get that change of gears, but not in a, not in a way where it's like, oh, this is completely detached and different. It's still on the same level, but it's just suddenly it's like, wow, this is full on. The bit where he swings onto the electrical cable that's about to pretty much touch the water and kill everyone, you know, and he cuts it and he's just like, I'm willing to die right now to save all these people. It's like, yes, yeah. here we go. And the moment where that, you know, that one goon says, you know, he imitates the, I'm vengeance. It's like, Batman then realizes that, you know, like he, oh my God, he's had this wrong, you know, what yep. he's been doing so far up until now, even though effective is, is not, you know, he can be more than just this pissed off guy. And then, yeah, yeah, that moment with, with the flare and walking everyone out, I, I felt things. And when was, yeah, no, I did. I honestly, I absolutely did. When was the last time you watched a Batman film and genuinely felt, something i mean like look i mean at the end of the dark knight rises of course i'm like well you know this is the end of a chapter where is this going what's happening oh wow you know there's emotions there but like not like this this was like an inspirational uplifting yeah like it just uh, i'm gonna say something different (laughs) yeah i'm gonna say it's the for me it was the end of batman begins when you've got gordon and batman on the rooftop and Gordon says, you know, I never did say thank you. And, you'll never and have Batman to. <laughs> says, and you'll never have to. And he jumps off the roof. Like, that was like, that was great. That was a great, you know, moment. It was, you know, the start of their relationship. Mm. But yeah, I mean, the Dark Knight is 
an incredible film, but I can't remember. I mean, I guess you get the people choosing not to kill each other, the civilians and the prisoners. But no, like I'd say, yes, the end of Batman Begins and then not until that moment in the water with a flare. It is an incredible moment, but then, but would kids like it? Like, you know, we're talking before about it's an M-rated movie, <laughs> well, it's a yeah. three-hour movie, more drama than action, but as an adult, it's like they've really made an adult comic book yeah. movie. And yes, they've made them before. And we enjoy, for the most part, the Marvel movies. I think me more than you at the moment. But this is so far removed. And I remember, you know, Marvel with Avengers and the Iron Man movies, Captain America, Winter Soldier, just like just hit after hit after hit. And then DC starts with Man of Steel so far behind the DCEU. And then they made something like Joker. And it's like, well, maybe that could be DC's thing. Like, don't try and copy what Marvel are doing because, yes, it's working for them. They're so far ahead. But do these different types of films. And just like Joker before it, the Batman is a different type of mm-hmm. film. Look, if, oh, if, so good. if what we're getting in the in the DCEU is, is more of that, like, fun superhero type you know like there's magic and time travel and multi-dimensional things and you know like bat caves with giant dinosaurs I'm, I'm fine if that's where it's going um i'm there if we could still get something like this which is Mate, nothing we, but incredible we're getting we're getting more of these we're absolutely well hopefully sure. matt reeves is going to be directing them but we're going to get more. And Robert Pattinson's come out and said that, you know, for as long as they want him to, he's going to make these movies. He's not a studio guy. Like, he does the smaller movies. He doesn't do these big budget movies. But there's obviously something about this character, this the interpretation of the character that we're seeing here that has him interested. To have a talent like his involved, uh, it's... Nothing but positive. And again, the whole cast, more Jeffrey Wright as Gordon, more Zoe Kravitz as Selena Carr, because I'm sure we're going to see her again. Look, but actually, you know, when, when we talked about her earlier, I'm not sure if you realise this, but she's played Catwoman once before. Did you, did you know that? Because I completely missed it or forgot and then came across it while I was doing prep. She's the voice of Catwoman in the Lego Batman movie from 2017. Wow. <laughs> oh, that could have been my trivia for the end. Wow. <laughs> I thought you'd have already known that. Yeah, this is her oh, second time wow. playing Catwoman. Ah. Oh, that's oh, I don't even that's, remember that's, Catwoman having oh, no. a, a voice. That's I'm just looking at what my trivia is going to be when we after we do the rating, and what I've just said is way more interesting. But anyway, (laughs) underwhelming. Oh, you know what? Before we get to the rating, we absolutely need to talk about Barry Keegan, who (laughs) who does he play? (laughs) Who makes a cameo? He laughs a fair bit. (laughs) Um, He's credited as unseen Arkham prisoner. We know who he is, don't we? I think we can take a guess that Keegan's actually Joker. I mean, I mean, yes, it's, it's not, yes, it's, not a- <laughs> it's it's a safe guess, and and 
I was surprised, if I'm honest. I did hear that he was in the movie. There was rumblings that maybe he's going to be Joker. Apparently, there's another scene of him that was cut. But I thought he was maybe just going to be a voice or maybe we'd see his eyes. But you can, when you do see him, although he's not pale-skinned, there's definitely some facial disfigurement going on here, isn't there? Mm, I'd, you know, I'd love to see that scene again just so I can hone in on that, on that, those details because it all happened so quickly. Um, you know, this that scene between you know Riddler in the cell and then you know this let's call him Joker, Joker in in an adjacent cell. I mean, it played almost like a post-credit scene in a in a different type of film, if you know what I mean. But uh-huh. <laughs> no, it was it was very much a part of this movie. It wasn't the final scene or anything like that. It was it was in there. It was almost capping off Riddler's story and setting something else up. Again, not just to set up a, something with the Joker, but it was a part of. It was still integrated to Riddler. It was very much yes. Not Riddler like this still. I mean, he there's still he was hope defeated. for what you wanted to do. Mm. Like your journey isn't over. Like your yeah, plan I mean, is not completely done. Like you said before, his plan was for for it to be him and Batman, and Batman's like, no, we're nothing alike. I'm not a part of this. And Riddler is just spiraling and he's like, no, this is not how it's supposed to go. And that's where we see him in that cell. And he's like, it didn't work. And it's all, all gone wrong. Mm. And then this voice is like, you started something. People know who you are. Yeah. Like you can try again. And I just and then, love, I love the idea. How many, like, I mean, in, in like Batman law, whether it's comics or animated things, TV shows, movies, what, what have you like, you know, like, or video games even, you know, like Joker instigating and plotting behind a cell, you know, using these other villains as his puppets, these other crazy people as his, as his you know, chess pieces. I'd love to see that played out yeah. in a film franchise and that looks like what we're going to get. Again, something so obvious to do with the, the Batman world it's we've never had it before not in these live action live action movies and it very much should be how it is and then you know like so joke is still present doing what he's doing but he doesn't necessarily have to be the main villain focus of no of the film and what's interesting is obviously not gone up against Batman yet. Like he's maybe not even fully realized himself because I said earlier like in the Nolan films escalation. Mm. So what's what's the evolution or the escalation of Riddler going to be? This Joker yeah. character, what's he going to be like? And then, yeah, we've we've got it all to look forward to. I've got to be honest, right? Getting Joker at the end of this film, I thought maybe that's what was going to happen, but didn't think it was absolutely going to happen. But I'm not precious or overly protective of joker at all remember jack nicholson as joker and from 89 until he fled you like nicholson was the definitive joker in live action and it was this big thing when he fled came along but since then we've had cameron monaghan on the gotham tv series we've had jared leto we've had joaquin phoenix 
season three of Batwoman, we've had another version of Joker there. So I feel like we've had that many live action Jokers that I'm less precious, but at the same time, I'm very keen to see what they're going to do in the upcoming films. Yeah. I love, I just love the idea of like how, like the angle they seem to be going with, you know, if they are to pair up villains or or do something, it's not going to be like Riddler and Two-Face from Batman Forever. It's not going to be like Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. It's, there's a, (laughs) there's just a very realistic reason for them to, to even be in contact, to be working hand in hand. You know, it's, it's the Riddler character essentially he did so well, but then failed. This Joker character will then inspire him to continue to to keep going, not to give up. It's it's quite sweet. It's quite, you know, it's quite and, sweet, and, but and it's this, also so diabolical. <laughs> like wow. it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this Riddler though, he he's a loner, and all of a sudden. He's got this friendly voice from the cell next door. You know, when you were doing the team up examples, I I mean, for obvious reasons, you didn't mention Bane when you said Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze. (laughs) He was in that movie. Oh, too many villains in that movie. Three, three's enough. (laughs) Yeah, three's too many. Unless it's the Batman, (laughs) then they then they can absolutely get away with it but on again that, again on it, it, it's it's this movie oh, was, like i was gonna bring us i was gonna oh, well, take us to the rating oh, just one final note take there. us to the rating you could do your final though introduce it and do your final note. well in in summary you know like the the world it's it wasn't like there were all these villains and characters these are just batman characters they live in gotham gotham is where we are they're already there it makes sense to already have them I'm not surprised, you know, when the DA was killed, we weren't introduced to Harvey Dent. You're like, I mean, because <laughs> why? You know, I did think, why I did not? think in the moment that introducing Harvey Dent will, for the reasons you're giving, would feel so organic. But even a character like Two Face would fit within this world. Facial disfigurement, one side of his face. Yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Why not? We know they're all there. They all currently live there. None of these characters are like, hey, I used to live in like Seattle and now I live in Gotham City. It's It's only like characters like Solomon Grundy, who is essentially a incredible Hulk-sized zombie or Poison Ivy. You know, there's some... Clayface, bring on Clayface. Yeah, Clayface. (laughs) Realistic type of Clayface. That's another one. Um, You know, I I mentioned... (laughs) I mentioned uh, season three of Batwoman and that show is up and down. I've got to be honest, but they've introduced a character who just mentioned that occasionally she's gone by the name Harleen Quinzel and the actress it's Carla from Scrubs. Anyway, (laughs) like, you know, so uh, not just this film, there's been different interpretations of the characters over the years, but this film is absolutely getting the, the casting right. But if you're going to rate this film out of five, I'm wondering if the use of songs is going to bring the score down for you. No, look, I mean, I look at it as, as a film in its own right. Look, the, 
there there's probably more issues there than I think I've even addressed or anything like that. You know, like even though I didn't really have a problem with the length and you know things did flow really quite well, you know what? There's there can be moments in this movie where like it, it does drag a little bit or you know like the tone might be quite overwhelming. Um the odd song here and there was just like oh that, that took me out. But I mean, these are very minor things. There's, as a film, as just a, a, like a movie, it's not perfect. But having said that, I mean, it's pretty damn close. Having said that, as a Batman movie, as a Batman film, uh, like, just, I'm sorry, perfect. As a Batman film, perfect. Like, it, it is, I, I, I look at this and I'm like, this is what a Batman film should be um and it's it you know they're not gonna stick to this forever like they are gonna move on uh into like developing this 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 interpretation of the character and have him evolve and we will get to i, I think a more traditional um you know probably what more mainstream audiences are probably expecting but at its core at its the core dna of, of this film is what I believe anyway should be Batman, the detective, the damaged Bruce Wayne, the the lived-in Gotham City with all these characters running around, you know, like the relationships that they've got throughout this, everything works. The performances are fantastic. As a Batman film, I would give this full, complete marks. But as a hey, this is a movie that I watched. This is a this is a film. It's pretty bloody good. Four point five out of five. It's so close. <laughs> it's so close. I knew those songs were going to affect oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I mean this this movie is going to be a hit. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind, it's going to be a but hit. To ten year olds and maybe not. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe not. It's yeah. I, I don't think it's going to interest, but then it's not aimed at ten year olds, is it? That's why I'm surprised at the M rating. But it gives younger people the opportunity to watch it, I guess. But if this movie is a success, but if this movie is a success, like I think it will be, then the direction, Tony, and everything is just going to continue. They're not going to need to soften it or add more action, cut the runtime they'll be able to just carry on like they started. And like I said before, hopefully Matt Reeves is still directing. But this film, um, I, it's, I'm just not going to beat around the bush. This is a five out of five for me. Absolutely loved this film. I've just seen it the once. And what I've heard, many people have gone back a second time and said it's even better. And for me, it's already a five out of five. I'm very much looking forward to watching this film again and what a Batman they have in Robert Pattinson and we've said it menacing presence like I've never been afraid of Batman ever you know in live action animation comics and you've read that characters or you've seen or heard characters reacting in fear to him never felt it but the menacing presence the stare just everything about Robert Pattinson's presence in this film as Batman is just menacing. In fact, do you know what? Even when it's Bruce Wayne and he's, you know, he's at the funeral and he's staring at that kid, 
I thought that kid was going to be like, hang on a minute, you're Batman. You stared at me the exact same way as Batman. Yeah. It's just... No, he looks like a guy who wants to cut you. <laughs> there's something about... like, And it works for this film. There's just something off about Robert Pattinson's performance. Just the look, the performance, it's just off. Everything's off, but it works perfectly yeah, off in a good way. for like, Bruce Wayne Batman. Like he's not... Oh, he's not amongst the people. He's not one of us. He's, there's something almost unhuman about him. I yeah. mean, look at the actors they've gone to before, like, you know, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. Like, these are guys who are seen as being good-looking guys. And, you know, Robert Pattinson, you know, again, the Twilight movies was seen as this guy as well. Like, oh, he's a pinup. He's a good-looking guy. But at the same time, there's just something off about him and it's throughout this whole performance we're getting from him in this movie i'm looking forward to seeing a lot more you know there's been some interviews with matt reeves and he's asked about the idea of incorporating all the dc characters like superman don't do it absolutely do not do it like let these just be a batman universe there's more than enough characters and storylines to adapt to new stories to be told, this Batman is brilliant, and I'm looking yep. forward to seeing more of Robert Pattinson as Batman, but equally, more of Colin Farrell as Penguin on the small screen. The GCPD TV series are talking about, if they get Jeffrey Wright back as Gordon, but on the small screen, and then we'll see him again in The Batman 2, or whatever they call it, The Batman Returns, who knows? But I'm I'm very much invested in the Matt Reeves Batman universe. I yeah, I am. I'm all four and a half points uh, invested <laughs> in this universe. I mean, come on, a five from me, four point five from you. Oh, so high. They're good glowing, scores. Glowing yes. scores. I mean, yeah. I mean, so far, what are we? First week in March. Best film of the year. Let's see. Um, I, I mean, for me, see. Scream was Scream was in the lead for a bit, but yeah, no, this takes. Yes, there we yeah, go. This takes it out. Um, the Batman but, has yeah, taken the lead. You're right. Like, I don't want this Batman interacting with aliens, Amazonians, uh, fishmen. Uh, but that's that's the beauty of what they're doing right now. Whereas they can do that in the DCEU. We can have both. Back in the day. You couldn't. You had to wait for another standalone Batman film or a standalone Superman film. Now we're getting a shared universe as well as TV with the Arrowverse. We've got Peacemaker that's connected to the DCEU. We're getting the Batman. They're still talking about doing a Joker 2. And we're getting three or four animated DC films a year. Yeah, the, the test will be really like, Will general audiences follow and show up for you know the the differing you know like I mean that would be universes that that's that's the true test because honestly up until now like I'm surprised general audiences navigated you know the Fox X X Men universe and you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point oh we'll just wait until Doctor Strange though. <laughs> Just wait until that happens. Maybe they make Xavier it easy. I don't, and... I don't know if they make it easier or harder for people. Make it all one or make... <laughs> you know, 
This movie doesn't have a post-credit scene. Apparently, there's something you can do online, clues or deciphering or something you can do riddler related but there's no actual post-credit scene and you said it what would have been that is in the movie and it's the joker yeah but what made me what made me chuckle is i was just waiting out of curiosity and then i just heard a woman who was sat close to where i was and i just heard her say i like emo batman (laughs) (laughs) much better than emo spider-man so oh yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yes okay so before we finish i've got my trivia that is less interesting in what i said before about zoe kravitz being in lego batman this movie i mean i'm still excited released, so you, you know like, tell me <laughs> so this movie was released in the 30th anniversary year of batman returns which also features catwoman and penguin there you go trivia Wow, that movie that came is... out in 1992, is... and here we are, 2022, 30 years later. It is interesting, though, that's what they've gone with. They're the villains that they've gone with. And if, if, do you know what? Yeah, so that's for trivia. Trivia is... Uh, yeah, that is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do? What can you do? Just imagine, I, would, I just said the Lego Batman thing. That's more Whoa. interesting. <laughs> Back in the... The time of the uh, Batman 66 TV series, they made that movie. I'm not sure if it was during the first or second season, but it was the first time I think they brought that many characters together. And I'm not sure you've seen it. It's the one with the the shark and the shark repellent. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I have it on DVD. It's glorious. Okay. <laughs> the villains in that movie, Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, Joker. That's this movie. That is the Batman. Holy shit. He's got the same villain lineup as the Batman 66 movie. Do you know what? That's, you that's better trivia. Oh, okay. Well, you can have it all. Just I've technically done three bits of trivia. Can't argue with that. But it's not funny, though. That, anyway, it's the same villains. No, that, you're well, right. You're right. I didn't even yeah. think about that. That's, that's, I mean, obviously, I thought Batman Returns. Oh, wow. Getting you know Catwoman and Penguin together again on the big screen. Didn't even think of that, um, the 60s movie. Whew. Yeah. Well, I've tried once, I'll try again. That's it for our review of The Batman. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewinding Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed Catwoman Hunted. Uh, and keep an eye out for our next review, Turning Red. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon. <laughs>